Today, let's talk about the raging, nasty, I don't even know what you want to call it, debate right now between Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin maximalists, Bitcoin maximalists, and everybody. Who knows? But there's a lot to unpack over some of the recent crypto Twitter drama. So I want to dive into that. Talk about Square a little bit today and a bunch more in today's episode. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Crypto Bobby. I hope you are having a great day, great night, wherever you're watching or listening in from. And today, like I said, I want to talk a little bit about some of the, the conversation around Bitcoin maximalism recently, because there was a, a conference that was really built and, and essentially was a Bitcoin, quote unquote, maximalist conference in Texas. Barbecue looks fantastic. Um, I've actually never been to Austin, Texas and really got to get that barbecue. So I missed out on that. But there was the BitBlock Boom conference and there was one one conversation in particular that I think kind of really ruffled a lot of feathers in the greater crypto ecosystem. So I want to just talk a little bit about some of the drama around that and kind of give give my take and dive into that a little bit more. And I also want to talk about Square. Square made a really big hire. If you're hiring, shout out Proof of Talent. Uh, but Square made a really big hire. Matt Corallo was covered in Coindesk, The Block, a bunch of different places. And I think the way Square is approaching their crypto exchange, uh, or let's not even say exchange, but the way Square is approaching Bitcoin is really cool and really interesting. It needs to be discussed a little bit more. So we'll get into that uh, as well. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at eToro. They recently opened up shop in the US. So as a lot of companies are leaving, they're coming in to service the US trader base. They actually have 10 million traders across the globe right now on eToro. And you can actually view the live portfolios of the top traders to see what they're trading, what they're doing, um, and engage directly with them, participate in their community. And you can view historical success, what percentage the returns have been, and what they've done over time, what they've traded, full transparency. Uh, it's really cool. And one of the awesome features that they have coming out in the near future is the copy trader uh, feature that they have where you can actually copy the trades of some of the top traders, uh, crypto traders in the industry. So definitely recommend checking out eToro. You go to the link below or cryptobobby.com slash eToro to check it out. So if you were on crypto Twitter this weekend, you probably saw the world burning down or the Bitcoin versus Ethereum world burning down and, and going at each other like dogs versus cats or dogs versus dogs or whatever. I don't even know. But People are going at each other and in many and not nice ways. And it was a, a really interesting thing to watch. And for me, really tried for the most part not to participate in it. But I want to start this off by saying putting people in large buckets and overgeneralizing everybody is typically a recipe for disaster. Not every single person that is a Bitcoin maximalist thinks one way. Not every person that is an Ethereum fan thinks one way. Not every person that eats steak thinks one way. Not every person that is a vegan or likes the New York Jets or likes Ripple, I don't even know, thinks a specific way. So just overgeneralizing is typically a, a bad recipe uh, when it does come down to forming your own opinions. With that said, the craziness for this weekend happened from the BitBlock Boom con uh, conference, which was really billed and focused as a Bitcoin maximalist conference. Um, if anybody was there in Texas, would love to hear about it. Just your thoughts. Look, you know, for, for the for the given audience, for the people that were there, very passionate group of individuals, the, the type of people that should have been there, sounds like we're there. 
Uh, and the biggest or one of the biggest things that came from the conference was this conversation from Michael Goldstein at Pitstein on Twitter and who is somebody that is a, a vocal proponent of, of Bitcoin and not other cryptocurrencies, which you would bill. Don't want to say this in a derogatory term, but as a Bitcoin maximalist, he only really likes Bitcoin, um, works with the Nakamoto Institute and some other companies in the space. Um, and he came out with this, this kind of speech about the art of Bitcoin rhetoric, how to meme Bitcoin to the moon, how to kind of navigate the social conversation to steer Bitcoin to, to success, but also from a, a monetary standpoint, how to kind of hashtag number go up it. Um, and so looking at kind of how, how things went with this conversation, went with this speech, um, had some interesting things to say. And I think a lot of it you can see when you look at Twitter, the way in which many people um, in the Bitcoin world and also in other crypto kind of subsets uh, look at things. And, you know, he kind of looked at how to define the, this, the landscape of the crypto industry, um, how to define the path to victory. And uh, one of the things I think was kind of interesting is, uh, and one of the things that got a lot of heat was what he talked about of when to argue, when to troll, um, kind of defining people as shit coiners and multi-coiners or no coiners or journalists, um, and how to kind of look at who you should speak to, how you should speak to them, um, and what happens also when you're arguing within group. But a couple different things that I thought were interesting from the conversation, uh, talked about relentless propaganda and said, rule number one, there is no bad news for Bitcoin, which if you are on crypto Twitter, if you are on Bitcoin Twitter, you know that to be the case. Um, so seeing that is, it's pretty funny uh, where he says, basically any, uh, always anchor on the most bullish bullish position for something. You specify the nuisance there as needed as deserved, but always rule number one, there, there is no bad news for Bitcoin. If Bitcoin goes up, it's great news. If Bitcoin goes down, it's an opportunity to buy more. If there is a company that does something with Bitcoin, it's good news. If there, there's a company that chooses to not do something with Bitcoin, that's good news. Everything is good news for Bitcoin um, in the long run. And you should always be bullish, which is kind of funny uh, in the way that that was presented. But where things probably got a little bit dicey or where things kind of started to maybe get a little bit more aggressive um, is the talk about this kind of propaganda of, of crushing no coiners and showing no mercy. So if you're somebody that doesn't like Bitcoin, you will be crushed. You will not be shown any mercy because you are not participating in this ecosystem that is, um, you know, that is, you're not participating in an ecosystem Bitcoin that is, um, you know, hard money, Austrian economics is, is supposed to do good for the world, um, distribute wealth better, etc. cetera. Um, so if you are not interested in participating, participating in that, you will be crushed. You will not be shown any mercy. Um, and then also looking into kind of specifically going at what I would say like the Ethereum crowd of, of folks where um, you have individuals that you look at kind of ad hominem discussions and rejecting an argument because, uh, you know, because of the person who is making it uh, and how they're making it. So something that kind of really, I think, lit the lit the ecosystem up and you had Bitcoiners on one side of the house and then you had Ethereum folks on the other side of the house really just going after each other because you, know, you had people that quote unquote speak for Bitcoin in one hand and you have um, people that speak for Ethereum in the other. And to say this too, everybody has the right to their, to their own opinion. Do you have to agree with it? No. 
Do I necessarily agree with everything in this deck? No, I don't. Do I think that Michael is a bad person for saying it? Absolutely not. Do I think people that disagree with him are bad people for disagreeing with him? Absolutely not. The one thing that is very obvious always on, on Twitter and also when you meet people in person in the, in the crypto space, if you ever have and met anybody at a meetup or things like that, most of the people that you'll meet in person are very nice humans. Very, very nice humans. And then you might see them on Twitter and be like, geez, this person is unhinged or they're this or they're that. There is typically a pretty vast difference between how people are online and how people are in person. And I do think that that just kind of contributes to some of the disagreements that, that people have overall. And I think is overall kind of bad for the industry as a whole. But this is something where I think that you kind of have to look at the ecosystem as a whole and separate and form your own opinions. Um, I think that for me, I look at some of the things that were said in this deck and I don't necessarily agree with them. Um, I would probably be classified as a quote unquote shitcoiner by some of these folks. Now I have, I own Bitcoin. I also own Ethereum. I also own Tezos. I also own Leo is what it is. Um, do I think that Bitcoin is the, the, you know, has the, the best chance of success out of all those things? Absolutely. Uh, you know, am I most bullish on Bitcoin? Absolutely. Do I speculate on other apps, assets? Yes, I do. Um, do I think that no coiners in my mind, do I think that they should be crushed and they should submit? My mom's a no coiner. My dad's a no coiner. They don't know what Bitcoin is. They don't quite frankly have enough time in their day to care about it. And I don't really feel like pitching them Bitcoin. So I don't think that all no coiners should necessarily be, you know, submit. So no, I don't agree with everything that's been said in this, but I also think that splashing a vast, uh, just, you know, a, a, a big bucket of, of everybody as a Bitcoiner is a bad person or an Ethereum person is a bad person is probably not the best move at all. And I'm not saying anybody in the scenario is a bad person. I, all, I just think that people could use a little bit of introspection, you know, when we go after these things. And that's, that's my take on the matter. I think that it was a pretty, you know, pretty crazy to thing, pretty crazy thing to just sit back and watch the world burn. And sometimes, especially online, it's best to just kind of relax, take it easy. And if you're not saying anything nice, then run the hell away and delete the Twitter app for, for the weekend. So that was just my thoughts on a little bit of the Bitcoin versus Ethereum drama this weekend. Um, got a little bit crazy and, you know, can, can leave it at that for the most part. Um, to that point too, though, I do think that uh, an interesting thread, an interesting conversation and Again, having a Bitcoin bag, having an ETH bag, um, an interesting kind of thing that's been happening right now really is the the purebred focus and confidence on Bitcoin. And basically every other altcoin is just nobody, like very, very few people, if any, have, have confidence in these assets. Uh, and granted, 99% of altcoins are total crap. Um, so is what it is. But looking at something like Ethereum, Ethereum is getting its butt kicked against its Bitcoin trading pairing. And even a lot of the, the mid to larger cap altcoins are really getting their butts kicked against Bitcoin. And you have now this kind of core group of Ethereum folks. Um, and you also see a lot of kind of arguments between Bitcoin, between Ethereum, and people just going at each other. And 
from an investment perspective, Chris Berniski, who I always enjoy his commentary on. Um, some people like him. Maybe some people don't agree with his commentary. But uh, Chris had a tweet storm, or I shouldn't say tweet storm. It was two tweets. Um, but Chris tweeted today, about an hour or so ago, he said, ETH or Ethereum is enduring its first mainstream bear market just as Bitcoin did in 2014, 2015. In retrospect, 2014, 2015 was the best risk reward period for investors to get Bitcoin exposure. To objective observers, the network's momentum was clear despite the bearish price action. Those predisposed to dislike based upon perceived vested interests were blinded by biases and missed the bus. What happened to uh, Bitcoin then is to hap or is happening to ETH now, stack sats, earn ETH. And I do agree with them. Granted, I'm biased. I have a theory of my own ETH, um, but I do agree with Chris here. And I'll talk to you a little bit like why, because I do think that for me, at least when looking at, you know, when looking at, at, at Bitcoin, I got into Bitcoin in December, 2013. I bought the Bitcoin top. Um, I bought Bitcoin when it was at $800 and it dropped all the way to $200. As that drop continued to happen and continued to happen, I've lost a lot of confidence just in, in like Bitcoin as a whole. I wasn't actively trading at a full-time job. I was doing my own thing. Um, so, you know, in hindsight, that period of 2014, 2015, where I you know, lost some confidence and, and lost some interest and wasn't keeping as, as uh, kind of in touch in the industry as I, as I should have, I missed out on a lot of opportunity and missed out on a really good, uh, you know, good opportunity to buy a lot more Bitcoin than I could have. Now I look at what's happening with Ethereum and you see this massive pullback. You know, Bitcoin or Ethereum topped out at $1,400 uh, during the bull run of 2017-2018. Bitcoin topped out at about $20,000. Bitcoin is now at, let's say, 11000 bucks. You have Ethereum at $200, give or take. So looking at where Ethereum is right now, Ethereum is way down in comparison to its all-time high in comparison to Bitcoin. And there have been some really nice improvements in the Ethereum ecosystem over the past year or so. And when Ethereum pumped to $1,400, was that justified? No, not at all. When uh, I'm sure a lot of that was driven up by demand from ICOs and things of that nature, but when Ethereum pumped to $1,400, that really wasn't justified as far as the, the tech behind it. Um, now you have a lot more infrastructure in place. So I do look at this time frame now I'm looking at Ethereum, I'm looking at the price of ETH and thinking, you know, now is a, a really opportune time to continue to dollar cost average into Ethereum. And I, so to, to provide insight too, so I mean, I dollar cost average two to one Bitcoin to Ethereum. Um, so for example, $50 a week into ETH, $100 a week into Bitcoin, something like that. Um, so I dollar cost average into to Bitcoin, into Ethereum. Um, and I look to continue to, to buy into ETH. I still think that it is an interesting time to, you know, it's an interesting time. And in comparison to other assets, it's undervalued. So, hey, that's just kind of where my head's at. But I really do agree with Chris kind of in his thought process here. And lastly, this kind of got brought up in my head a little bit by Square hiring Matt Corrala, who was previously working on Bitcoin uh, at Chaincode and also Blockstream, uh, but Chaincode most recently. And I heard Matt speak, it was a while ago, but it was at a lightning meetup in New York City. And I really, really like Matt's just kind of perspective uh, and his thought process on the, the Bitcoin development industry. And just, I, I thought he was a very re relatable person. Um, not to say that, you know, 
Michael Goldstein's uh, kind of approaches is, is negative at all. Not to say that's negative. That doesn't necessarily resonate with me as an individual. The, the memeing Bitcoin um, or just kind of some of some of the more let's say aggressive stances as far as how to deal with people that doesn't necessarily uh, resonate with me as much. The 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 type of attitude that Matt had really just like when I heard him it, it kind of resonated with me. It clicked with me. I was like, oh wow, you know that's that's an interesting approach. And so Matt got hired by Square to develop exclusively on on Bitcoin uh, and the public infrastructure that is utilized by, you know, with with Bitcoin. And I think that it's it's really interesting because Square is is kind of the opposite of some of these other crypto assets and and outside of the hiring of Matt. Now, just want to dive into Square and why I think Square is really interesting because if you're not familiar with Square, I'm sure many of you are, but Square is a, is a is a large company now. Their market capitalization, their publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange, the market cap is around $27 billion. They do over a billion dollars in revenue a quarter, I think probably pacing. Last year in 2018, they did $3 billion in revenue. This year, pacing over $4 billion. So Square is a big company, over $4 billion in revenue. They have a number of business lines. Most of what they do, probably, I don't know the exact number, but I would I would venture to say 99.9% or 99% of the revenue and 99% of the work that they do is completely unrelated to Bitcoin. And why this is interesting is because they created Square Crypto and you can actually now buy Bitcoin through the Cash App. It's a really great app. It's worth checking out as well. Um, the Cash App is fantastic, but you can now buy Bitcoin through the Cash App and now Square has been making this push into Bitcoin. Why is it cool? Why is it interesting that they're doing this and also kind of hiring people like Matt Corallo uh, to develop on you know, to, to develop with Bitcoin. They've also hired a former Google director um, as well. And they've been hiring for other positions, other engineers. Why is that interesting? Well, because of, of Square, they're a publicly traded company. They bring in over $3 billion in revenue a year. That is unrelated to crypto. They can contribute to the ecosystem in a way that is well-intentioned and kind of thoughtful to the future. There are some companies in the crypto space or basically every company in the crypto space, let's say many of the companies in the crypto space are either venture backed. So they have professional venture investors or maybe they did an ICO and they have retail investors that are pressuring them to do something. So either way, there are companies in the space that have investors that are kind of pushing them to do something. So, you know, let's say if you look at Coinbase, adding a bunch of, of different assets to uh, the Coinbase exchange. Some people think that that's unnecessary. Other people look at them adding assets and they you know, say, okay, well, they have, you know, they're, they're trying to bring in more revenue. They're trying to, um, trying to develop the user base more and, and do a number of things like that. Well, kind of Square can take this slow approach of saying, you know what? We don't need the revenue from, from Square Crypto. We don't need to be making money here or we don't need to be making money here yet. We don't need to be adding other assets here yet. We can kind of take our time and be slow and be thoughtful and methodical with how we do things because we are supported by a massive company and we have the resources to pay high salaries or you know to bring in fantastic talent from Chaincode, from Google and from all these places. So I think that the way in which like they, they have a really nice luxury of being a, a small part of this massive business and being supported by the CEO, Jack Dorsey, who is pro Bitcoin and who wants to push this industry further. And they're able to do that through Square. So to me, 
it is kind of a cool approach and gives them just a more maybe intelligent kind of measured way to, to build things instead of some companies in the crypto space that rush to do something because they think that they need the users or, or they're just a little bit more short-sighted in nature, let's say. So that's fantastic. And then also to the point that you know, Matt and some of these other engineers that Square's hiring, they're contributing to, to, to Bitcoin as, you know, they're contributing to Bitcoin as a whole. Like Matt's going to focus exclusively on Bitcoin. It is cool to see companies that have, you know, large amounts of money in the bank who are profiting from Bitcoin to actually pay for the continued development of the network. I think that's important uh, and something that is going to be really, you know, nice and important in the future because there is a problem. There are economic incentive misalignments behind open source software development. So something to think about. Would love your thoughts there too. But if you enjoyed this video by any chance, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, hit that like button. Would love your thoughts on the whole commentary of Bitcoin versus Ethereum and some of the nastiness that went on there. Um, so would love your thoughts in the comments or if you're listening on the podcast, make sure at crypto underscore Bobby on Twitter. Would always love to hear from you there. Thank you guys so much for your time. If you're new, subscribe to the channel. Peace.